And so that's why I feel like even with my work, I want um, people that look like me to see themselves, see how beautiful they are, um, see how um, they can affirm their beauty. And also, I just think that black is a beautiful canvas, you know, and God made us that way and we should be proud of it. And I am proud of it. And I'm going to keep being unapologetically proud of being black and whatever ways that I can um, to continue sending that message um, that black is beautiful. I will continue to do that. Welcome to the We Are Photographers podcast from Creative Live. I'm your host, Kenna Klosterman, bringing you true stories from behind the lens and behind the lives of your favorite photographers, filmmakers, and creative industry game changers. From their struggles to their wins, we get the real human stories about why they do what they do. I believe there is something to learn from everyone's story. Listen, get inspired, and discover why, in the end, your creative journey is all worth it. This is We Are Photographers, and these are our stories. So we're super excited for today's guest, who's here for the very first time on Creative Live, and his name yes. is Tammy Coker. And Tammy is a multidisciplinary artist. Uh, he was born and raised in Lagos, Nigeria, and now he resides in Dallas, Texas, with his beautiful wife, Afritina. Uh, they actually co-run a studio called Coker Studios. He was an Adobe Creative Resident um, in 2018-2019. He's currently an Adobe Aero Resident, which I want to talk about because it's really cool stuff that Tammy <laughs> is creating right now. Blows my mind. Uh, and you. you will see, if you haven't seen his work yet, that his mix of vibrant colors and textures and the work that he is layering these beautiful images with bright, bold graphic design work um, truly comes from his upbringing in Nigeria and his love for the African diaspora. So super excited uh, to bring on for the very first time, uh, Mr. Tammy Coker. Tammy, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to talk today. Awesome. Well, before we get going, I just want to encourage everybody who is tuning in online to, you know, we love to give shout outs um, when people are tuning in to the live broadcast. So whether you're watching on Creative Live TV on our website, there's a chat button up in the top right hand corner. Uh, give us a shout out. Let us know where you are. Same thing on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. If you're watching there, uh, let us know and let us know if you have questions for Tammy as well throughout the show. So get those coming in. Uh, but for starters, um, let's just dive into the, acknowledging the fact that right now has been a pretty crazy year. We're recording uh, right now. It is already October, October 2020. Right. Uh, and, and right before we actually started the live broadcast, you and I were chatting and, you know, you live in Texas and I had no idea, uh, but you actually knew George Floyd. And, yeah. um, and we started to talk about art as a tool of healing, as a tool of grieving. And so I just wonder if you can um, share with our audience sort of the, the story that you were telling me about and, um, and, and go from there. Yeah. Um, you know, with all that has been happening with police brutality and um, African-Americans in the United States, um, it's been, it's always just seemed like a back-to-back -back thing and we never had time to grieve. And so 
you know, when I heard about the George Floyd incident, um, it was, it was a lot, you know, um, my pastor in Houston, um, PT Angolo, um, there was a church called Resurrection Houston, which was the pastor of. And so what we did was we would bring, uh, we would bring church to the community, um, to the third world community. And um, this was the community that George Floyd was at when uh, we brought it there. And so I remember seeing him helping us um, bring chairs to um, put on the court and helping us with baptism and things like that. And um when I heard about what happened, it just crushed me. Like I, I couldn't watch the video. I'm never going to watch the video, but I just, I just remember um, just feeling defeated and just felt like I was in a dark space, you know, like how could they let this happen? And then the media was trying to spin it and talking about the things that were in his body and all those things. And it's like, he didn't deserve to die the way he did. He is a human. He was made in the image of God. You know, um, I didn't know him as closely as my pastor and other people at the church did, but I remember um, seeing him in passing and um, him being part of the community. And, uh, you know, they called him Big Floyd there. And whenever we had events, like George Floyd was like the person that you would go to to kind of get approval, you know, because everyone respected him in that community. Um, and yeah, and then just seeing like the text messages or the DMs that, he would send some of my friends in Houston, even though he was not in Houston anymore. Um, it was, it was, it was just interesting because you could really see his heart, you know, for, um, for people, and you know, his heart for telling people about Jesus and how Jesus changed his life, and it was just inspiring to me because he was so unapologetic about it. And yeah, he still had his struggles like we all do, but. Um, genuinely, he had a good heart and he um, he was a good person. I didn't think that um, he should have gone out the way he did. Um, I didn't know how to grieve, so I didn't do anything for like two days. And then I think the third day, um, I saw the picture of him that he took on his cell phone, which I thought was nice. And um, I just sat down crying and had my iPad and I was just making art. Um, I didn't know what I was going to make. I didn't know what it was going to look like. I just knew that it was a grieving process for me. And um, I ended up making something and I loved it. And I was like, this is how I want him to leave this earth. This is the George Floyd that I remember seeing. Vibrant, colorful, um, a lively guy. Um, and so, yeah, so I made the art and I shared it and a lot of people resonated with it. Um, and it got a lot of attention, but for me, it was more so a way for me to grieve because I didn't have any words. Um, and so, yeah. And I, and I realized, you know, again, art, is a good way to grieve. It's a good way to heal. It's, uh, it's, it's just, it's a powerful tool. Um, and you can use it for both. So, yeah. Thank you for sharing that story. And, um, and I just, so many layers um, within, um, whether it's the the personal healing, the helping other people um, see George Floyd in um, this, you know, in bold and bright colors and in a different light than, like you said, what the media is is portraying or seeing. Um, yeah. And then, but again, back for your own as somebody who actually had a personal connection and relationship. Um, how? Have you then since then the you know additional art that you have been creating 
Well, let me back up a sec. And and when somebody, because you have a very unique style, um, and when somebody asks you about this um, layering and you know the images with the bright colors, um, I know you talk about. Um, um, you see your style focuses on invoking emotion through color patterns and storytelling. And so mm-hmm. how do you describe your style to somebody when they ask you and they haven't seen your work? Yeah, I, I think I think my style is just merging those two mediums, photography and graphic design together. But I, I think the key thing that I want people to notice in my work is that my designs are there to enhance the beauty, not take away from it. You know, I think, you know, even before I got into design, I did photography. Um, and whenever I took pictures of people, I realized that it was my job to help them see the beauty that's already there. My job was never to make them look beautiful because they already are, you know. And so it was my job to capture the beauty that was already there and help them see that. And so I took that same approach from photography into design and even the pictures, the way they're taken, they actually are strong by themselves. And so I make sure that, you know, the design elements that I put in all of those things enhance that beauty. So whether it's, you know, doing things on the face so that the attention can be on the face and the eyes or um, maybe putting more uh, emphasis on their clothing so that that way you can see everything as a whole. Those are the things that I look for and um, I add into my designs. And some of the pictures I take and some of them I find from Adobe Stock or Unsplash or things of those nature. Um, but yeah, and and my thing is like, I want people to like really take the time and appreciate art and look at the the artwork. Because if you think about it, back in the day, posters used to be like this. It was almost vintage vintagey thing you know like you would get like one of 100 or one of 50 and people would get these posters and put them in their room posters of their favorite artists and things like that right but now we're in we're in this digital age and we just like scroll double tap and pass and so for me i've always wanted to make sure that i i can make artwork that i'm proud of but also art that would make people stop and think um i remember you know, before the verdict for Breonna Taylor came out, probably a month before that, I made a poster. Um, it's actually poster 100 from season two. And what I did was, it was a poster of an African-American man. He had on a jacket. He was looking this way. Um, so you were seeing the back of his head and the jacket. But then on the middle of his collar at the back, um, you had to zoom in to see it. You could tell it was, it was a, people, could, people were thinking it was either a design or words. But then you zoomed into it and it says, arrest the cops that murdered Breonna Taylor. And so it was just like, art is a way to grab people's attention. I love adding little Easter eggs to my work because I feel like the people who really appreciate those things and appreciate my work will find those informations. Um, and so, um, and so, yeah, I, I love what I do. You know, sometimes... Some of the ideas are just random. Sometimes I do have intention behind the things I'm trying to convey. Um, but yeah, I just, I, I love color. Color has always been in my life. It's been part of my culture in Nigeria. Um, and now I can apply that to my work, you know? So, yeah. 
I need to go back and and look at um, that poster number one hundred as well because I have not zoomed yeah. in um, to to <laughs> to find that Easter egg. Um, and yeah. but I want to um, take a step back and explain um, your poster a day series uh, that you were just mentioning. Yes. Volume there's volume one and volume two. Um, where yes. well, let's just you explain it to everybody and sort of I read the the why behind it. Uh, because I think right. that's equally a really valuable lesson for people. Yeah. So I I really, w- when I first started my poster a day stuff, um, I was with my friend, Mac DL, we were in Starbucks and he had started it 30 days before me. And so I was like, yo, I want to get back into design and get better and be as good in design as I am in photography. Because I knew that if I wanted to work for anybody, I could now leverage those two skills. And so I started doing the poster a day stuff and um, I really believe in documenting your process and your story and your journey. Even right now, I still have the first few pictures that I took when I first started photography in 2011. So my Facebook, it literally has the titles, literally Nikon D3100. And that was my first camera. And so I can always go back to that and reference like how I started, because I think as we progress in our career, sometimes we get lost or we get confused or we get, um, we start to feel that we're not growing and that's not true. We're just comparing ourselves to other people. And so for me, it was like a way for me to actually compare myself to my previous self. Um, and so with my poster day stuff, I did the exact same thing. So my website, I have poster number one to 365. And then I was like, you know what? I feel like I've grown a lot. Let me do a volume two or a season two. Um, and that's what I started. Um, now I do kind of wish that I didn't break those two apart. I feel like it would have been cool for me to just continue from 365 to 366, you know, and I'm still like considering going back and changing it. It is a lot of work. So I'm like, I might just keep it as season two and then do a season three and keep going. Um, but yeah, I think it's important to like document your process. Um, especially like this year, like Keep all the things you made this year. And then when you get to the middle of next year, go back and see if you've grown, you know? Um, and it's important. I have a I have an external hard drive, a Drobo actually, that has my work from 2015, which is when I started design. Um, well, no, 2014, which is when I started design up to now. And I'm just going to keep adding stuff in there so I can always go back and see. What the What have you seen that you have, how you've changed, developed, because, Hey, first of all, kudos to you for that is a ton of work right. and <laughs> Thank you. it's not, it's different than even just a photo a day project because, right. um, it's not that, I mean, I'm a photographer, not that we're often like, not that going out and shooting a photo day isn't a certain level of commitment and right. work, but then right. the additional levels of what you're creating, um, I'd imagine right. is even more of a time investment. So what, what did you learn or see from yourself from when you started volume one to end of volume two? Like, are there themes? Yeah, I- are there... Oh yeah, there are definitely themes and it's interesting because if you go through it, you see like, I'm trying to remember what day it was. So like poster, I'll give an, I'll give an example. I don't remember the exact poster, but let's say poster 30 to poster 45 was 
that was like a two week period where I was like really developing this new theme and I really liked it. And so there was a, there was a time where I was focused on like putting patterns on dark skinned um, people and just like giving it vibrancy and all of that, all of those things. There was another time where I was just messing around with statues and putting people's face on it and giving like a very nice uh, feel and look. There was another time where I was adding fish fins to humans and that kind of was kind of where I was like, oh, I think I'm onto something here. And then I started messing around with like animals and putting them on, on hairs and things like that. And so um, it wasn't until season two that I, I started like messing around with shapes and portraits. Because in the past I did that, but I didn't do it. To, I didn't do it to the extent that I'm doing it now. It was kind of like, oh, I'm just gonna put a circle here and a square here. But now, like the the shapes are part of the face. They're part of the anatomy of um, the design. And you know, but of course, I always start off with a photograph that is compelling, that is strong, that is um, captivating. Um, and you know, a lot of the, a lot of the people that I use in my work are black people. And that's because like, I want people that look like me to see themselves in my art. Um, because I think representation is very important. And I think that, um, people who struggle with the, with feeling like their skin is too dark. I feel like my artwork, um, shows them that no, your skin is actually beautiful and, um, it's important to, um, keep re- reaffirming that beauty. And and I, I read something, um, again, going back to this, like evoking emotion through color, patterns, storytelling. Um, and I'm, now I'm not sure because I copied and pasted it as a little note to myself, but that some of the work that and, you know, your bodies of work are representing Black joy. Um, right. To, because, you know, being full of, of vibrancy in life. And that is, you know, what you you it, whether it is the colors adding to whether it's a dark image or not the the shapes and such um you know this year like you said um there's been um so much suffering and so much negativity in the media and so right. can you can you talk to us about how black joy has entered again into your work um showing that beauty and uh, what reactions you've received from you know the people who follow you yeah, I th- I think you know I I think that I think that my work um, sparks joy um, to people, and I'm 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 really thankful for it. And um, I think examples are just like you see younger kids who go to my shop, and you know their moms are with them, and they're like, "Mom, I want that one," you know. And the mom was like, "Why?" She was like, "She looks like me," you know. Stuff like that is. You know, like it, it, it's priceless. You know, you can't pay me enough um, for those type of moments, and those encourage me to keep creating the type of work that I make. And I just think that you know, it's important to find joy even in these times. You know, if you think about our ancestors, like they found joy um, even in the in, in the slavery and the hard times. They they were singing. You know, they had hymns. Um, they had you know that was where you know, jazz, blues, and all those things were created, you know, and um, and those brought them joy and those have been passed down from generation to generation. And so that's why I feel like even with my work, I want 
um, people that look like me to see themselves, see how beautiful they are, um, see how um, it can affirm their beauty. And also, I just think that black is a beautiful canvas, you know, and God made us that way and we should be proud of it. And I am proud of it. And I'm going to keep being unapologetically proud of being black and whatever ways that I can um, to continue sending that message um, that black is beautiful. I will continue to do that, you know, and with my Adobe arrow, the residency is almost over. And so right now I'm, uh, we have 12 weeks. We're on week nine and now we have three weeks to work on a project. And so my project is, um, I'm, I, I think I, I think I decided today because I was talking with them. I think today I decided that my project is going to be centered around the black woman is art. And so expressing what that looks like. Um, and I might, my sister doesn't know this yet, but I might hit her up to kind of do a poetry or something so you can experience it, walk around the art, you can see it rotate, and then you can hear music and you can hear voices. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about it. That I just got chills because I can just based <laughs> on um, you have a piece that's on your Instagram feed uh, that is a portrait of a beautiful black woman with it, you know, big earrings, hair pick, and, and oh yeah, uh, yeah. And then it was when you were kind of starting the Adobe Era residency, and then you know you swipe and you see it turned, you know, and she's and so it's like turning right. in three D, and exactly. so I can see talk about, you know, evolving your skill set and evolution, like I can see how now creating that as a final piece is a beautiful project. For for people who aren't familiar with Adobe Arrow, um, what is it? And what are we we even talking about? What is, you know, augmented reality? And um, just how did you get interested in it? Yeah, augmented reality uh, pretty much is like you bring... 3D objects or even 2D objects into an already living space, but you can only see it from your device um, or whatever you're wearing. Um, And Adobe Arrow is like an avenue to make that happen. Um, The cool thing about Adobe Arrow is that it's connected with all of the Adobe apps. And so you just save your PSD into, into the cloud and then you can drop it into Adobe Arrow and just work from there. So it's seamless, it's easy, it's simple. Um, and what I love about it is that someone can actually like order a poster from my website and I will put a QR code on on um, my packaging, send it over to them. Whenever they, whenever they receive the artwork, they scan the QR code and it opens it up in the Adobe Arrow app or even on- online and ask them to download the app. And once they do that, now they pull their phone out and it says, look for a surface. And so they find the surface and now the artwork that they just bought is now in their living room big, you know, and they can take it with them anywhere because I think it does save to your phone. So you can go outside, pull up the Adobe Arrow app and bring that to life. And so I'm just imagining like someone coming like me. Let's say I, let's say I come I come visit you and you have my artwork on the wall. And let's say I'm somebody else and I come in there and you're like, hey, and I'm like, hey, I love this art piece. Like who made it and all of those things. You start talking about it, but you say, hey, let me put up my phone. You put your phone next to it or you scan the QR code. And now the person that came to visit, you can actually go in 
and walk through the art and see it in detail. Um, and so those are things that I'm like thinking of and planning ahead to do. Um, like the art piece that you talked about, I did one just like that for Twitter. And I'm going to make it a limited print um, starting in January 2021. Um, but between between December and January, I'm going to work on making an augmented reality for that piece. So when people buy it, they get the QR code and they get access to it and they can actually um, um, see it in the living room. You know, And I'm thinking maybe I can add music to it or I can add a poem or something. Um, but yeah, I just want people to be able to experience the artwork and not just like... At first, it was just like, I was like, I don't just want people to just see it and double tap. I want them to actually feel it. So I started a print shop. But now I'm like, if they can walk around it, that's a whole different ballgame. It really is. Um, it's. I'm just smiling because it's super exciting. And like, Thank you. it just takes everything. You know, you went from photography, layering the graphic design on top of that. And now like, to the 3d um right and, and yeah. beyond that to this like augmented reality um right. and it's such a cool just such a cool evolution um everybody as we're talking about this if you want to see what we're talking about you know be sure to go to tammy's instagram um, which is just at tammy coker t-e-m-i-c-o-k-e-r um yes. and of course later we'll we'll have that in the show notes and all of that but just pause right now and go see what we're talking about uh, <laughs> so uh you mentioned that uh twitter um, that you created one for Twitter. And um, I read that uh, both you were commissioned by Facebook, you were commissioned by Twitter as well as part of Juneteenth earlier this year mm-hmm. um, to yes. create original pieces. Uh, yeah. Can you talk about like what that meant for you to be hired by Facebook and Twitter and like how that, what that led up to. And again, like what the response has been from being part of that or how that has, if that's shifted your career or what have you. Yeah. I think, you know, I I think companies like Twitter or Facebook hiring me, um, it was, it was amazing. And it was also like confirming. I don't want to say affirming. I think I was already affirmed in just those priceless moments where people are like, I'm getting this poster because it looks like me, or I love this because I see myself in it. That was, that's all the affirmation I needed, you know? Um, But working with Facebook and um, Twitter, it was kind of like confirming that these companies are are looking at the type of work that I do and it is matching, you know, the, the values that they are trying to convey. Um, Because I think as black artists, sometimes we get scared to just do all things black. You know, because we want to we want to be able to reach everybody. Um, and I'm here to say that it's okay because there are white artists who only work with white. You know what I'm saying? And so it's like, why, why, why do we feel bad for wanting to just focus on our communities and create work that reflect our communities and uplift our communities? Um, and so, you know, Juneteenth is a big thing here in Texas, you know, because this was... Um, this is where, uh, and I, I think it was in Galveston, Texas, which is not too far away from here, where um, the slaves finally heard that they had been freed, but they didn't know that they had been freed for for a while. And so, um, yeah, so it, it was a celebration, and I got to talk 
um, to Facebook about why it's important. Um, and then they, I was just talking with them because they hired me to do a design for another girl as the spokesperson for the campaign. And they're like, uh, we really like how you're talking about this and you're from Texas. Can you actually record yourself doing this so we can use you as the spokesperson? I was like, whoa, I was not ready for that. You know, so I had like, I had like a few days to like design myself, which is weird because I don't really do that. I had to design myself for the campaign and all of this stuff. But it was awesome and I loved it. And um, the the girl that I designed for, she also got to speak about it and I got to meet her and I got to send her a free print as well. So that was cool. Um, and with Twitter, I just love their campaign. This is my second time working with Twitter. Um, the They reached out and they were like, you know, hey, we have this campaign called Tweet Black Joy. And I was like, and this was in honor of Juneteenth and celebrating um, this commemoration and all of those things. And I just, I I love the title. I love the campaign and made some work, uh, that week, sent it over to them. And they said it was going to be the header for different Twitter channels, but mine got to be the, the header for, um, Twitter's actual Twitter, (laughs) uh, which was awesome. You know, it was flattering. I woke up in the morning, uh, Jack follows me now. And it was just, it was just awesome. And, um, then I posted on on uh, Twitter, I mean, on Instagram as well. And a lot of people were like, yo, I need this print. I need this print. But my contract with Twitter was like, hey, I can't print this till January for a few months. And so um, I was like, okay, that's fine. So I told people, hey, wait till, wait till January. Um, I'll have this print out um, limited and I'll sign everything. But yeah, and it, it was... It was amazing, you know, and I, I made another work called Black Boy Fly, and I partnered with um, a lady, I forgot her last name, Her I think it's Barrett, but Patricia Barrett, I believe. Um, she, uh, I partnered with her to print my artwork and ship it out. So it was limited print, 75 copies. It would be the only time I would ever print those. And so people ordered it, and we sold that within a day. And we were able to give all the proceeds to the NAACP Legal Defense Fund. Um, and so those were ways that I was able to kind of give back during this pandemic. And I've been grateful for it. Um, and I was grateful for all the people that supported because they got a big print in their house, but they were able to support it as well. So, yeah. I, I think that's amazing. And first of all, just congratulations for um, being you know, recognized by them and for creating the work and then for you know, the response that uh, people had from all over. Uh, and then again, adding the layer of, you know, fundraising, um, it's uh, going back to the beginning of our conversation when we were talking about art as, as a tool for grief or for healing. Um, right. It's, you know, also a, a tool for celebrating for, yeah. you know, being heard for, you know, voices getting out there. We've seen a lot this year in terms of right. fundraising through that. Um, and and so, I, and I know I saw another um, piece that was Adobe that had hired you um, for a piece that then became part of a commercial um, as right. part of yeah. honoring heroes um, as yeah. frontline workers of uh, as part of COVID-19. Mm-hmm. And so... I guess that kind of led me into, I wanted to talk about how you got 
your Adobe Creative Residency um, yeah. and connected with Adobe and slash for people who aren't familiar with the Creative Residency, like what is that and what, yeah. it, what did it allow you to do for that full year of time? Yeah. So prior to the residency, um, I was a high school teacher. I went back to my old high school to teach photography and graphic design after I graduated college. So I taught there for three years, 2015 to 2018. Um, and this was at, uh, in Nashville, Texas, Ben Barber, shout out to y'all. Um, and yeah, so the Adobe residency is a program that Adobe um, does where they pretty much pay you salary for a whole year to create the type of work you want to be hired for. So it's almost like a, a career springboard. So you get a whole year not to worry, and you don't have to worry about money. All you have to worry about is your project and what your focus. And so my pitch to them um, was merging photography and graphic design. Now, here is something that I always preach and I will always tell people to do. Never underestimate your passion projects. When I applied to the residency, I had already been doing my poster day stuff for almost two years. And in fact, when I applied to the residency, I did not apply with the idea of merging photography and graphic design. I actually applied to do just photography because I was scared. And I was like, oh, I'm only new into design. I've only been doing design for like three years. I'm not really that good. Um, imposter syndrome. And so um, they were like, yeah, we like what you pitched, but we've been watching your videos and your work on how you merge photography and graphic design. Can you repitch this to us? You have two days. And I was like, oh my gosh, okay, fine. I will I will do this. I guess you were watching. I didn't know you were really into my poster stuff. And so I, I repitched and I said, for a whole year, I'm going to work on merging photography and graphic design. I'm going to break it into four, four, um, uh, four sections. So for the first three months, I'll work on finishing up my poster day. And then I'll go into making merging photography and graphic design when it comes to fashion, when it comes to sports, and when it comes to music. Now, this was a thing that I was doing because I also wanted to tap into all of these different industries so that by the time I was out of the residency, I had enough work to say, hey, I can do this for your fashion brand. I can do this for your music. I can do this for sports. Um, and Adobe opened up their, um, just like... They, they opened up their offices. They opened up their connections. I was able to work with the um, the San Francisco Warriors for their last home game in the Oracle Arena. I made a poster. 22,000 of these posters were printed out at the last game. And I got to sit in the Adobe suite. I felt, And then I got to sit on the court and watch the players play. It was just crazy. And it was like, and my wife got to come with me and they paid for her to come. And it, it was just amazing, you know, and... I got to talk with the Photoshop team, telling them what I liked about Photoshop, what I didn't like. Um, and even till today, like I'm still part of the team and I still talk to them from time to time. And it's just been, it's just been um, amazing because in that time, I got to really focus on what I wanted to focus on. Because when I was teaching, what I would do is if I needed to make a poster for that day, every Friday we had this thing called Fun Day Friday. But really, all it was, it was just for me to have an excuse to make my poster in class. So I would make a poster with the kids and I would show them how I made it and like give them all the assets. And then I'm like, OK, I made a poster today. Thank God, because this was close, you know, 
but the kids thought it was like a fun thing. Like every Friday we make a poster. Um, and so I just have to find ways to like make a poster every day. Or if I skip like a few days, I would make sure I made, I, I, I caught back up. Um, but one thing that I learned during that whole time was just that consistency is important. If you miss a week, what are you going to do about that? Are you just going to say I missed a week or are you going to try to make up for that week you missed? Um, so consistency got me to grow and it got me to um, develop and evolve and it got me to where I am today. And ever since the residency, I had like three job offers, but I turned them down. I decided to go full-time freelance and it's been, it's going to be two years in 2021 in May. And um, Adobe has been um, my biggest client, you know, and I'm thankful to them. I was actually talking to um, the creative residency manager, um, Julia Tian. Um, she's pretty much like our residency mom. So we keep up with her from time to time. Um, but yeah, and I just told her like how much I really appreciated the time she took to really help me and um, support me throughout that whole year. Um, and even applying to the residency, it was all because my wife told me to. You know, she was my girlfriend at the time. And I was like, I don't think they'll pick me. There's too many good people. Like, I know a lot of amazing people. Why would they pick me? She was like, well, you should apply. If you don't get it, you still get to work with the kids. If you get it, then you get to work with Adobe. Like, you have best of both worlds, you know. And, yeah. And now that I've been out, I've still been able to teach. Adobe has had me come do Adobe Live. I'm actually going to be doing Adobe Live at Adobe Max this year. Um, And... I also have two, three classes on Skillshare. And so I still kind of get to teach people. Um, and I'm hoping one day I'll be able to work on my own and make my own courses and whatnot. Awesome. Well, maybe we can have you do that here on Creative Live. Oh, that would be dope. <laughs> Put it in a plug there. Put it in a plug to you. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I actually, I, I, I saw your classes on Skillshare um, and that, you know, teaching people how to make that poster or a poster, teaching people how to make um, CD or, you know. Uh, yeah, cover co- art, art for their playlist. Cover art for yeah. music, for their playlist, um, which I thought was super cool. But what I really Thank appreciate you. about that story is that you, Alex, there's so many things that you're, you're so smart in the way that you approach, whether it was this residency in, okay, let me work in sports in, you know, shoes. I want to work for Nike. Let me create projects right. for Nike within this, which are really cool um, that you have Thank that you. series. You could check that out. And, and, you know, sports. And then, like you said, when you first started to talk about this, never underestimate the power of passion projects. And that, yeah. uh, Tammy, is the theme that we hear here over and over and over again, is, you know, you got to do the work that people that you want to be hired for. Yeah, it's like it's like as simple as that. And yet, like, it's still, you know, you got to start doing it to make it actually happen. Uh, And yeah, so what a cool just evolution. Um, I love that the the combining the teaching with uh, high schoolers to now doing that, you know, at the at the level that you're at now. So um, I did want to talk about Afratina and your your wife, you're creating a studio, she's a photographer, an amazing photographer. How did that sort of come together to um, create a a full, you know, studio? Yeah, so 
Yeah, so, uh, you know, when, when we were, before we even started dating, when we were talking as friends, we were just talking about what we wanted to do in the future. And I always knew I wanted to work for myself. And she has always wanted to kind of explore the creative, um, a creative career. And so uh, when we got married, it was just like a no-brainer to kind of just join together. Um, join together, but still kind of have like our own separate style, separate clientele and whatnot, but also come together whenever we have those projects that need to utilize both me and her. Um, but it's interesting because now we're, we're kind of like revamping and thinking what could studio, what could Coker Studio look like? Like, could it be, could we like drop apparel every few months, you know, as a combined unit? Could we um, work on passion projects that we both wanted to just work on just for fun. Um, and so, yeah, those are things that we're still doing. It's not a physical studio just yet because we COVID first of all, <laughs> and then we, uh, we work out of a co-working space. And so we have access to the studio there. And whenever we have shoots, we u- usually use that studio most of the time. Um, but the idea with Coker studio is that, you know, we wanted to create a legacy for our family moving forward. And so uh, when we have kids, we want to kind of teach them how this company is being run. And, you know, when we get old, when we get old, if they decide they want to continue this legacy, um, then we would, we would love for that to happen, you know? And so we want to kind of make it a family business, but also use it as a way to be able to hire some of our friends who might not have been able to get opportunities like we're getting, you know, like you talked about the COVID thing. I had a I had like a list of friends because Adobe was like, hey, if you know any um, essential workers that you want to um, highlight and do a design for, um, let us know. So I listed a couple of people, sent pictures, told them what, uh, told Adobe what each of them do. And then we talked and we picked somebody and then they paid the person, you know, and it was just really, really uh, affirming because like my friend got paid and then they got to be on Adobe's channel and then they got to be on TV, you know, and I was just sending them all the updates and it's just, just the smile that they had and like the gratitude was there. And, you know, I, and I never wanted to be like, Hey, I got you this, you owe me kind of thing. I think it's like, it's a community thing. I couldn't have done it without her. She couldn't have done this without me. And so it's like, we're here to uplift each other. Um, and yeah. And so it was, it was, it was an amazing, um, process for me and I'm so grateful for it I mean I, I feel like I mean if we all had that outlook on life uh, that mm-hmm. we approach life from a place of collaboration and yeah uh, that it's you know it's not that we're in it together that uh, what a win for me is a win for you you know it just like and art right. allows us to do that art allows us to have collaborations um, where it's mutually beneficial for you know so many parties involved in the making of but what uh, you just touched on the notion of legacy and I think it's super cool that you're you and your wife are already planning out for your kids in the future and maybe (laughs) they're gonna want to join the family business I love it yeah Um, thank you but what what does legacy mean to you like I want to go back to we haven't talked about again your born and raised in Lagos, Nigeria, and then moved to Canada before, you know, making your way down to Texas. Yeah. What is sort of the, the legacy of your family, your parents, your grandparents, 
um, that you've been able to uh, incorporate into your world now and maybe take us back to your childhood and what because I think you, you mentioned you were 10 years old when you moved yeah uh, what what was your story in terms of your family and moving and and um, that that legacy in your life now yeah so my, my dad is a pastor and he's still a pastor now and that's what brought us to Canada and then to Texas to start a church um, but I think growing up um I I was very creative. I was always trying to find creative outlets. Um, I don't recall like a lot of people in my mom or dad side pursuing a creative career. Um, I think maybe a few of them could draw, but I never saw them draw. I just heard that they did, you know. Um, but I think I think it's I, I think it's important because um, now that you know we moved to America, my parents wanted us to have a better life and sacrificed a lot. And now that my wife and I are in a, in a space to be able to um, do the same for our future kids, I really want to make sure that we do it well. And I think, you know, if you think about white wealth and how, you know, um, white people have been able to live off of the work that their parents did, you know, and then they, they, they didn't have to work as hard, you know, but a lot of us don't come from that, especially me coming from an immigrant family. We didn't have a lot of money coming here. Um, but now I'm in a space where we're able to kind of build that wealth. And um, I have, I've had a financial advisor since I was 20, 21. And I've had, you know, money put aside already. I just talked to him today because I'm like, okay, we're getting a lot of work and stuff. I want to make sure that we're, you know, saving and putting money in Roth IRA and all of those things and having a mutual fund um, and investing and things like that. And so um, those are things that I'm wanting to learn and be better at because if I can do this for our kids, um, I want to make sure that as they grow up, they kind of get to see and learn what it's like to build wealth, um, black wealth, you know, and I want this to keep going from generation to generation. Um, and I have put a lot of my friends on to my financial advisor, my CPA, they're all black, you know? So, you know, we're, we're building this community together and I'm so grateful for it. And that's why legacy is important because I want to make sure that our kids um, can live off of the hard work that we've put in. Um, now they're going to have to earn, earn that, you know, like I'm not just going to give them money, <laughs> you know, um, I'll, I'll coach them, I'll teach them, you know, but I'm not just going to like say, here's $2 million. Um, but, you know, having like a college fund and putting some money aside for them and teaching them how to be their own boss, you know, because I've always had, I've always knew, known that God wanted me to be in this lane. Now, I don't know if I'll be here forever, but I just knew that he wanted me to work for myself. And after college, I moved back home and I paid off my student loans within two years, you know. And then from there, I moved out, got my first car. I've already paid that off. So I always had this mindset of like, I'm not trying to owe anybody anything, you know? Um, and now that my wife and I are married, like her debt is my debt, you know? So now we're working to pay those off um, and continue to build this wealth. But um, yeah, that's why that's why it's important. And I want to make sure that um, I do the best that I can to um, kind of like document this whole process. Because I want to be able to have Coker Studio and have pictures of like, the first time my wife and I did a project together, you know, the first time 
hopefully in the future we make a million dollars you know what that what that celebration looked like you know so things like that it's no longer the like yeah here's my first one dollar bill like right here's my first <laughs> statement that says one million dollars um, right kudos to you i mean that's it's um the the it's one thing to be successful artist and then it's another thing to be a successful entrepreneur uh, mm-hmm. and especially in the creative field to combine those two yeah and i'm i'm wondering if you know i mean getting a financial advisor at age 21 like you are super setting yourself up for success I'm wondering if there were any moments in this path where you, that you had that you're like, whoa, I don't know if I can do this. Or um, if there were, you know, some, some of the, some hard lessons to learn uh, along the way that you can share with people who are kind of trying to get to the point, you know, that, that you are. Yeah. I think, you know, I, I love numbers, so I was paying because I, I I hate when people say, "Oh, I left my job and I started freelance." Like most of the time, those people are either married and their husband or wives are making two hundred thousand dollars. So, you know what I'm saying? Um, and so for me, I what I did was when I before we even got into the residency, if I got into the residency. I kind of had a number in mind of how much my wife and I were spending every month. And so what I did was I was like, okay, if we're spending this much every month, how much do I need to make to take care of us um, with her salary and my salary? And so I was like, okay, this is the number I need to try to reach. Let me save up. So during the residency, I saved up. And so I had about maybe three to four months um, where I did not have to work. And so I was like, okay, let me let me test this out and see if I can really do this. Um, and so I also met with like, um, met with different agencies here in Dallas. Sent a PDF of the work that I I do. Um, told them you know to keep me in mind if they had any projects coming up and things like that. And so it's just like you kind of have to be strategic. Um, and I also started reading this book called Profit First. And so it talks about how. As business owners, sometimes we think our business is doing really well, but it's really not. You know, some people see $20,000 in their business account. They're like, oh, I have $20,000. But honestly, you might have maybe 10. You know, if you think about business expenses and taxes and payroll and all of those things. And so uh, the Profit First allows me to break those things down into percentages. So whenever I got paid from a gig, I'm like, okay. This much goes into payroll, this much goes into taxes, this much goes into business expenses. And then I started to see how much we spent every month as a business. I was like, okay, I need to make this much to take care of this. Um, And so it's kind of like that mentality of um, being aware of how much you're making. Um, And then also having a good CPA that allows you to know how to write things off smart. You know, people don't know that. You know, you can write off the office in your house, the square footage, you know, you can write off anything you buy for your office um, from the business. And so those were things that um, I I had to learn. Sometimes I had to learn the hard way, um, especially with contracts. Um, 
And then especially with pricing in the industry. So I think for me, that was the hardest thing. How do you price your work? If you've been working for five years, should you price it higher versus someone that has been working for two years? You know, um, so it was all of those different things. But the most important thing that I found that was helpful was that I reached out to people who were in spaces that I wanted to be in or people who were doing things that I wanted to do. Um, and if they did not reply me back, if they, if they didn't reply my DM, I would go on Google and I would search their name and search interview. And so that way I got to see their past. I got to see their thought process. I got to see maybe some of their favorite projects, the people that inspired them. And so I went into this big, deep rabbit hole of like, oh, this is the person I'm looking up to, but this is who inspired him. And these these are the different philosophies and this is how they got to where they're at today. So those are like things that I learned along the way. Um, but I really do believe like creating the type of work that you want to be hired for is big and that you shouldn't do it because you want to get work. You should do it because you're passionate about it and you love it. Like the Nike shoe thing that I'm doing that I did, I did it because I tried to get a shoe for my wife for her birthday, but I wasn't able to get it that same day. Um, I downloaded the app, I got in, and it was already sold out. And so I made a shoe to make myself feel better. And then I started trying to buy other shoes, and the same thing kept happening. So I have like eight shoes that I wanted to buy that I ended up turning into a poster. you know. And so that's how that started. Then someone tagged Nike, and then Nike was looking at it. Um, And so now if something comes from it, cool. If something doesn't, that's totally fine with me. But it's a project that I'm passionate about, and I'll keep doing regardless of whether work comes from it or not. The, I mean, it, it, for, for that, I love that because you, you know, you, you didn't get the shoes, but instead of being like, oh man, I didn't get the shoes. Let me create the shoes in a different form. Right. Maybe my wife's right. not wearing them on her feet, but we still like you, you were drawn to something within the design of that shoe. And now, you know, you can have that anyway which is a really interesting, like creative problem solving outside of just the art (laughs) itself. You know, how do I, how do I get something that I wanted that's no longer available to me, even if it's in a different way? Uh, Right. Smart. And it's funny when you you. say profit first, because Mike McCallowitz, who I think that's who you're referring to. Yeah. He taught on creative live many years ago, um, in the early days of not early days of profit first, but, um, but as you started to talk about, it, I was like, "Wait, I remember! I remember that!" Yeah, he's so people he's check awesome. check that out. Yeah, for That's sure. The book. And yeah. if 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 you plan to leave your job or if you plan to just know or try to figure out how your business is doing, that is the best way to go about it. Break things into different um, percentages. So you know, if you want to do your payroll as seventy percent for every project, then do it at seventy. You know. 20% for taxes or based wherever you're at. And then um, business expenses, you can pick whatever number. Um, and so, yeah, and what I liked about his is that he had a thing called, um, there's something, there's a category in there that you call like, I think it's profit first or something else or something fun. So you put 3% or 5% of whatever you make from every gig into that category. And then you pay yourself every three months and use that money only for something fun. And so like for fall, my wife and I took money out of that and we're buying fall outfits, you know, and it's like, we didn't have to try to think about it. It was like the money has been sitting there. So yeah, we paid ourselves and 
did that. I mean, there's just that like mental, uh, you know, game yeah. of, of it too. Um, and yeah, I love it. Good for you. You're super diligent. You. I'm learning this about you. Like whether it's the poster uh, a day, the getting the finances, the, you know, thank uh, you. the, the, um, it's something, something to, a lot of times we think, oh, we're creatives. We're not, we can't be like diligent right. or that doesn't fit into the, the mold of, but in fact, it seems like, like you were something saying earlier, you have to be consistent. Uh, yeah. And, and that you have done. <laughs> Thank you. What's, what's next? What is next for Tammy? Yeah. Uh, I have, I have a few projects, um, that will be dropping this fall. Um, I can't speak too much about them. Um, but just be on the lookout. Some of them you can buy some, you're just going to have to watch and look and see. Um, but yeah, I'm really, I'm really excited about it. Um, and it's something very close to my heart because the company, after talking with them, they decided to donate a minimum amount to, a organization of my choice. And so I was able to, um, give them a name. And so I'm really excited about it and I hope that people love it. Um, I'm working on making some Christmas wallpaper, uh, wrapping paper with a company called Unwrap. So I've been partnering with them since last year. So I'm going to make some stuff for this year as well. Um, but yeah, and I, I think I think November to like December, I'm probably going to take off and just relax. I have been burning the midnight oil since April. Um, and I'm grateful for all the work that has come in. So thankful. Um, but I'm just at a spot now where I feel like I need to just sit down somewhere and play games, watch TV, be a kid again, and um, just relax and, you know, enjoy. My wife just left her job last Friday. And so now we're both full-time freelance. So kind of enjoying this new season together. Um, But yeah, there's a lot of things coming. Uh, I wish I could talk about a lot of them, um, but I can't because of NDA. But it's uh, good to leave people hanging, Tammy. Yeah, and yeah, for, yeah. Congratulations to Fertina and like what a what a amazing success story that you know. Just acknowledging too that if you're able to take these you know two months to to reset and regroup, it's because you set you set yourself up financially to do so too. Like it's just it's yeah, a, it's really inspiring. Uh, and, Thank you. And that will you know give you that ability i'm I, something will come out of that time uh for sure yeah. but yeah the post post adobe max uh will be um, time for it to I, to rejuvenate yeah that's what i'm going to be doing that's what i'm going to be doing <laughs> sleeping <laughs> so tammy where can people find you follow you hire you buy your posters um make sure that learn from you like tell us all the things and we'll make sure to put those in the show notes as well those links awesome yeah, so uh, my website is just tamycoker.co. Um, my Instagram is at tammy.coker. Um, I, I want to get the Tammy Coker, but someone has it and I can't talk to them, so it's fine. Um, and my shop is on my website. Um, you can access it from there. You can see my poster day stuff on there as well. Um, I had to close my shop because my printer started printing things crooked. So I have to take it to the shop on Monday. 
to get it fixed. But once it's fixed, my shop will be open back up. I sell posters 11 by 14 and 16 by 20. Um, if you want custom posters made or artwork of yourself, you can send me an email. However, I probably will not be able to start working on those things until February. So um, just keep that in mind. <laughs> and um, yeah. And then um, my website has other links to my Behance and all of those things like that. So, yeah. That is super cool on the custom. Uh, Thanks. Custom yeah. A lot of people. By, by yeah. you. I bet. That's huge. Yeah. That's so they're. Cool. But get in line, people. <laughs> yeah. There's there's a lot. But, you know, I'm working. I, I started working with a company to hopefully help reduce the amount of people that are asking for custom artwork. I can't say who or how, but it's going to drop this fall. And you, when you know, you know. Um, but essentially, you won't have to always hire me for all right. those things. That's all I can say. <laughs> I am excited about so. this. You better let me know when that's coming so we can post put it right. out there as well. That's amazing. For sure. Uh, Thank Tammy, you. I just want to read a few comments uh, that have come through while we've been talking yeah. um, on creativelive.com slash TV. We had Jim Laird saying, hey, from Houston. Um, awesome. And Stefan Taylor from Dallas saying, great work, team. Oh, uh, I, went we, to, we, I went to high school with them. No way. That's awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, we've got yeah. Sharon uh, who said, so inspiring. Thank you. Uh, we had uh, Donna in Long Island. I'm going to go back and scroll. We had um, Poland tuning in, uh, Kelowna, awesome. BC, Canada. So um, lots of fo folks joining us today. Thank you for that and for letting us know where you are. Uh, Bernard Stallings is coming through saying, Mr. Coco, I love your uh, Coker. I love your work. Um, so Aww. thank you again. Thank so you. happy we could um, reach our global audience and um, yes. celebrate you, your work, and uh, just wish you all the best. And thank you again, uh, Tammy, for, for joining us here on Creative Live. Of course, I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. And everybody out there, uh, thank you for tuning in. You can check out all of the upcoming episodes here on creativelive.com slash TV, or you can listen to all of our past, I think we're almost at 95 episodes of We Are Photographers yeah, podcast. That. Yeah. That's uh, awesome. And and you can you can listen to those on creativelive.com slash podcast, or you can also subscribe anywhere it is that you stream your podcast, and uh, you'll find us there. We Are Photographers. Uh, but for now... I'm Kenna and signing off. So thanks again for joining us. Bye, everybody. I'm Kenna Klosterman, and you've been listening to the We Are Photographers podcast from Creative Live. At Creative Live, we believe there's a creator in all of us. And yes, that means you. If you're looking to get fresh perspectives, inspiration, or skills to boost your hobbies, business, or life, head over to creativelive.com and check out the Creator Pass. That's our subscription that gives you access to over 1,500 classes on demand. Whether it's photo and video, art and design, craft, entrepreneurship, or personal finance, or even yoga, there is always something new to learn on Creative Live from the world's best educators. And if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review We Are Photographers wherever it is you listen to podcasts. 
We'd love to hear from you, and a five-star review goes a long way. And if you like this episode, tell someone about it. Word of mouth is the best way for us to reach more creators just like you. You can stay up to date with everything happening at Creative Live by following us on social media at Creative Live everywhere. And I'm at Kenna Klosterman on Instagram and at Kenna K Photo on Twitter. If there's anyone you want us to feature on the podcast, send me a message. Thank you again for being part of the global Creative Live community. And I'll see you all next week for another episode of We Are Photographers. 